I believe, and I've stated this ever since almost I've been in the ministry, if uh, you understand depravity uh, when God shows you, I think it makes you a stronger, more dedicated child of God because you realize for the first time that there is absolutely no good in you at all except what God instills. But in text, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All have sinned. Let's look down to the 19th verse. In the same chapter, Romans 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That's not a hard two verses. Of one man's sin entered into the world. When Adam sinned, every man, woman, boy, and girl that was born after him was born a depraved sinner. Now, to say you're depraved, it doesn't mean that you're you're as bad as you could be. We know that anybody without Christ is lost. But there are some good, and we use that term loosely, there are some good lost people. I mean, you know, there are some lost people that I believe doesn't lie. They wouldn't steal. They would help you out. But those are acts. And uh, what that gets you is that if you die lost, your punishment in hell is not going to be as great as someone else who committed a lot of other sins. But uh, let's uh, look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And notice here in the third, second chapter, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. When I was lost, I did exactly that. Boom. We all had our conversation, that's way of life, in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. In other words, when you're lost, your basically desire is to do what you want to do. And we see that now in so many professing Christians. They still do what they want to do. Don't make a difference what's going on in the church. Doesn't make any difference if somebody is sick. You know, uh, the prior life, when I was lost, you know, people saying, are you 
pray for this person or you pray for that person. And I'm sure back then I would say, I, I will. But I couldn't if I wanted to because a lost person can't pray for nobody else until they get right with themselves. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but, but God says here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3, I mean, also we all had our way of life in times past. What did we do? In the lust of the flesh. In, in other words, we did what the flesh wanted to do. Fulfillment, the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You know, I always tell people, you can't help what thought comes to your mind, but you're in control whether you entertain it. I mean, you know, this is uh, a, you know, the oldest thing, you know, and uh, lost people when we would talk on visitation or even members of the church if we were talking after service and we brought that up and he said, well, you, you know, a preacher, when you see something you shouldn't see and you're not gazing at it, you just see it, what do you do? That may be an evil thought, but I don't have to entertain that thought. You know, I don't have to entertain it or keep in our minds, you know. We, uh, when we're lost, we play games in our mind. We think about, hey, you know, what would I do if I had this? Or what would I do if I had this opportunity? You know, uh, Paul said to the first Corinthians chapter 15 and, you know, verse 22, when we look at this, the first Corinthians 15 and verse 22, God said, for as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But Ephesians 2.3 talks about among the lust of the flesh, fulfilling of the flesh of the mind. And, you know, makes no difference whether you're just saved today or you've been saved for 50-some years. That body is still your enemy. And the body knows your weakness. Every one of you may not know your weakness, but you've got a weakness. We all have. Now, if we entertain that weakness, what we will do, we will wind up doing that. And if not doing it, we will mind play it. You know, and we need to understand that our depraved nature is here and said to be dead. Dead is not trustworthy. This is an issue that is not usually spoken of frequently in most churches, but key to bringing sinners to a real knowledge of Christ is reconditioning the sinners that are depraved. Now, how the word of God and how preachers and how caring parents or caring friends, you know, I always tell people, 
you know, there's certain weaknesses that all of us have. And uh, even on television, there's, I know my weakness, and you know your weakness. But there are certain television shows I refuse to watch because that content of that television show will play to my weakness. Well, that is something that I chose to do. I'm, I'm testing to see. I want to see how good or how safe I am or how strong I am. Let me tell you, you may not grow spiritually every day because you may not pray every day. You may not read your Bible every day. You may not talk to somebody about uplifting Christ, but that old flesh is fighting every day from the time you get up till you go to bed. We got to know that. And, you know, there are some people say, oh, I, you know, I don't do anything I don't want to do. I don't think anything I don't want to think. And uh, the only thing I can say is when I'm talking to that person, you're sure stronger than I am. Because there are times thoughts come to my mind and I wonder, where did that come from? Well, this whole body is depraved. My mind is depraved. So what I want us to see to begin with, you know, there's no question that we are a depraved sinner. We were born. We go to Psalms. We were born speaking lies. You know, we don't like to think about a little baby, but I can remember all three of mine just screaming, man. You know, you think, what is happening? Somebody pinching them and you run to the nursery and you pick them up and they just grin at you. That's just the flesh. And you said, that's cute. But what you're looking at, you're looking at that little child is a depraved sinner. So we have eight or nine years to try to train that child what to think and what not to think. Then you send them off to public school. You lost. Then you send them off to college. That's even worse. I mean, because in college, they learn freedom. You make the choices. Mom and dad don't make the choices, and certainly no preacher is going to make the choices. So I'm going to make the choice. And the first thing that most of them do is find a church where there's no doctrinal talk. Everybody's saved. Everybody's gone to heaven. Christ died for everybody. But depravity is total, and depravity refers both to the uh, damaged relationship between God and humans. When Adam sinned, Man's relationship with God became damaged. So I don't quite understand that. If you've ever done something in a marriage that you shouldn't have done, that marriage becomes damaged. 
and you've got to work on it. A relationship is damaged when somebody lies to you, when somebody steals from you. It's not that you don't forgive them, but you've got to work on that relationship. You're looking for, hey, some true repentance. That's what God is looking for in my life and in your life. Have we truly repented? Have we had a change of mind, a change of heart that led to a change of action? Depravity shows up in the body. Total depravity refers to the extent of the effects of sin. It is that none of us is personally able to do anything to merit or to obtain salvation. I can control my habitual sins, but I can control sin 100%. Because when I see something that alludes to my weakness, I may think a thought that I shouldn't have thought. If I'm close to the Lord, I'll repent of that, not wait till I go to bed at night. Because let me tell you, what happens when we sin in the morning and we want to wait till the night, that old body will let you forget it. Now, you can't carry over sins. That's where marriages become weak. Total depravity does not mean that humans are as thoroughly sinful as they can be, but rather, but rather that because of their sin nature, they are totally incapable of saving themselves. That's why that we ask God, help me. Change my way of thinking. Because, and I know I've had people tell me, it's just blunt out, I don't believe that. But I, I believe that uh, all of us are totally depraved and uh, we're not capable of going through a day without sinning and thought deed or action and you know I don't love driving with all my heart soul and mind 24-7 you may I doubt it but, but you know I don't know how strong every relationship but, but there, there are times when I don't do what I know I should do it's a small thing but see what we Christians understand you don't have to kill somebody to go to hell. A little white lie, if it hasn't been covered in the blood, will send you to hell. So we that are saved, we know that God covered every sin we committed in the past, present, and the future. So our sin is going to affect our body. So let's look at some things that are simple, but uh, the meaning of personal depravity. By depravity, we mean, first of all, man lacks of original righteousness and of love toward God. 
when I save, I've said this. As much as I love God now, I'm not sure I even loved him that Tuesday morning when he saved me. I know I did, but it's such a different comparison. I made the same statement about my wife. I'm not sure I even loved her when I married her compared to how much I love her now. Because true love grows. True love grows. And because of depravity, we're going to do things, say things, that will hinder that growth. The corruption of his moral nature is biased toward evil. I mean, take any kid, take a child first grade, they have trouble, but they don't have no trouble picking up bad words. You don't have to teach your child to lie. We do that naturally. Now, I'm not talking about telling a bar, but we, we lie when we say that we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, but yet we don't talk to him. And this is a hard one. My best friend, if she ever dies, or if he ever dies, part of me dies. Have you ever told him or her about Jesus? But, Pastor, that's hard. Sure it is. But what do you really, or how much do you really care? Now, the reason we don't is because we are depraved. And being depraved, Tony comes first. And that upsets people. But God says the teaching of Scripture that all persons must be born again shows universally of depravity, doesn't it? I mean, we look at John chapter 3 and verse 3. Notice what, what God says. John, the third chapter, the third verse. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. A change that takes place. Well, I don't know anybody that can be saved without the word because God has chose the foolishness of preaching to save those who will believe. So uh, the meaning of personal depravity is that uh, God said of a truth of the truth, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, which means he can't be good enough. And the reason he can't be good enough is because he is depraved. The only reason the baby doesn't go to hell is because God has a clause, and we know that because when David sinned and God took David's baby away from him because of David's sin, David said, he can't come back to me, but I drove to him. 
But see, people don't like to hear that. They don't like to think, I'm the cause of somebody dying. Well, you know, I hope I haven't been. But David was the reason God took his baby. The extent of personal depravity, the scriptures speak of human nature as wholly depraved. However, the doctrine of total depravity has been misunderstood, misinterpreted, and it is important that we should understand it. Ask anybody that you know that is saved that is not in a sovereign grace Baptist church, and they have no idea what total depravity is. Well, I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm, I got some bad in me, you know, in me. There's some good and there's some bad and, you know, some, whoever I yield to. Well, part of that statement is true. But without God intervening, you're not going to yield to the good side because the bad side is what you enjoy doing. See, from the negative standpoint, it does not mean that every sinner is devoid of all pleasing qualities. I know some lost people that are kind, sweet, giving, will do much more than some professing Christians. My neighbor, lost her brother. And her dad, who is just a great friend of me and my wife both, he's a super nice guy. Now, the dad professed to be saved. The daughter doesn't. But there's no doubt in my mind, none whatsoever, if I asked her for help, she would bend over backwards. When we were in Georgia, somebody put a gift upon the porch. Then they came back and took the gift. And she called us to, you know, not trying to be nosy. I just, you know, want you to, to know. You know. My wife walked from up here, crossroad to their house. And they wouldn't let her walk back. They put her in the car and drove her 150 foot. You're not walking up that hill. Now, so to say that lost people can't do good acts is entirely wrong. But doing anything will not save you. And that's what is confusing. Depravity is, is real. And when we accept the fact that we are totally depraved, you know, Matthew, the 23rd chapter.
and the 23rd verse. God said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. Now that's three bad group of people. For ye pay tithe of mints and knives and commune, and have omitted the weighter matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have done, and not to leave the other undone. But what do we take from this verse? I'm telling you, there's no doubt in my mind, Miss and Mrs. Whatever is saved. They give. They come and clean the church. They'll mow the yard. If people need food, they're cooking the food and taking it. And so God said, these things they should have done. but not to leave the other undone. But they here, they think because they, uh, you know, they paid tithe and mints and knives and commune that they didn't have to do anything else. I'm going to heaven because I'm a giver. Giving doesn't save you. Giving is the evidence of your salvation. Whether you're giving of yourself, giving to help somebody, that's what saved people do. But there's been an outpouring in this state for the people in western Kentucky. Do you honestly think that everybody that sent food and gave money are saved people? Our churches wouldn't be empty. But God said, this you should have done, but you left the other undone. Power asserts that some Gentiles, even dolly nature, the things contained in the law. But uh, Paul said in Romans 2.14 that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Now, we don't have to pick up the morning news to know that somebody got shot or knocked in the head something in Lexington or Louisville. I mean, there's people getting killed. It's not even safe. Not safe. I know you ladies may may do it, but uh, you you park on the lower end of Walmart parking lot and walk at night by yourself, you're putting your whole life in danger. Because of what? Because people are depraved. Evil men and seducers so wax worse and worse. That's what Timothy said in 2 Timothy 3.13. And it's been proven because the closer we get to the Lord's second coming, the worse things are. The worse things, things are. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I mean, we can take just what happened a few months ago with Black Lives Matter. They just went out right openly on cameras 
broke in the stores, carried out anything they wanted. They had a right to do that because of their political view. I don't care what your political view is. God said, Thou shalt not steal. And those people are to have been arrested and prosecuted. They say, Well, they didn't. Unless God saves them, one day they will. But we say, I don't see how they would do it. Now, answer, and only you can answer that. Are you capable of doing that? And the average church member will say no. Then that tells me you don't understand total depravity. I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm not I am what I am because of Tony. That's the difference. I am what I am by the grace of God. That's what the Apostle Paul said. See, from a positive standpoint, it does not mean, A, that every sinner totally destitute of that love to God, which is the fundamental requirement of the law. There are some people who love and want to keep the law. They are morally good. But you can be morally sound and spiritually bankrupt. I may be as wrong as, but the two people that I mentioned are, I, I do not, I would not doubt what they would tell me. But do I know both of them are capable of it? See, that's where we get off track. I'm not capable of that. Well, no, in the spirit you're not. That body is your enemy. Any of you woke up this morning with pain? I did. My feet hurt. My back hurt. My head hurt. I can't see unless I put my glasses on. What is the reason? Because sin has destroyed this body. But that inward man, stronger than it was yesterday. We need to understand that when we sang that song, I am what I am by the grace of God, how true that song is. I am what I am by the grace of God, not because of me. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 says this, Hear, O Israel, Lord our God is one Lord. He's one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in their hearts. The more we love God, the less we will sin openly. What Matthew 22, verses 35 through 38, teaches the same thing in the New Testament, that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and body. Heart. 
soul, mind, and body. But we are, as Timothy said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4, let's uh, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 for just a moment. Let's begin with verse 1. This know that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covets, boaster, proud, blasphemer, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection. Now, we ought to underline that one and put it in yellow and everything. That's why that these young people don't know whether they're male or female. And if they're male, they want to be female. If they're female, they want to be male. God knew about that long before Biden approved of it. He said, without natural affection. It's natural that you love your parents. It's natural that you love your children. It's natural that you want to be honest and upstanding. False accusers, people will lie on you, about you in a heartbeat. Incontent, theorists, despisers of those that are good. You say, why does people hate me? Because they see God in you. Amen. My prayer is that every lost person feels uncomfortable in my presence. And if I let Christ show through, they will. But there's enough of flesh in me that I don't bother most people. And that's the sad part. God tells us this, you know, and we need to look at it, you know, as God said in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that are in them. Well, I tell you, you, you ought to underline Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 having the understanding, darkening, being alienated from the life of God, now notice, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feelings have given themselves over unto less vividness to work of all uncleanness with greediness. But, verse 20, ye have not so learned Christ. Now, you take verse 20 and you take the verses we just read and people that do those things, you said, Pastor, you don't have right to judge. I'm not judging. God said the reason they do those things, why? They don't know God. See, that's what he said in verse 19. Who being, who, 
who being fast feelings have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful love. I don't have to add any commentary to this verse. If I know Christ, I won't practice these things. I won't practice these things. I may tell a lie. I will not become a liar. You can tell whether you're saved or not. If you know what you did is wrong, it bothers you. Does it bother you? Does it bother you that you mislead somebody? Does it bother you that you mislead your parents? You mislead your best friend? If you're saved, it will. These are checkpoints. You know. Don't know about anybody else, but every once in a while I... Check the air in my tires. I'll check my oil. I'll check my water. Check the automatic transmission fluid, power steering fluid. Hasn't had any signs, but that is prevention. So as a prevention member, when I read these things, have I done any of these things? And if I have, I'll be honest with myself and I ask God to forgive me, give me strength, give me what I need so that I don't practice these things. See, uh, he has no thought, feeling, or deed of which God can fully approve. I think we really know, all of us really know, is God really, uh, does he approve my life? That's been the most help to me of anything I've done since God saved me. Ever so often I ask myself, I hope the church is. I hope my wife is. I hope my family is. I hope my friends are. But is Christ pleased with my life? Because let me tell you, if Christ is pleased with my life and if Steve is saved, he'll tolerate me. He will. Because if Christ is pleased with my life, there's enough goodness working out that he knows I must be saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you.